And you're not, but you will be. I can just tell. So uh, today we're doing a, a brand new series called Circle Maker. And guess what? Today we get to watch a movie in church. Isn't that awesome? No popcorn, though, at least in the front section. But we're going to watch a video because, uh, you know, and i got to say this. Uh, for some of you guys think that, uh, you know, uh, in, in a man in my position, you got to come up with uh, new material, original material. Let me just say this. When it comes to following the scriptures, there is no material that's new out there. Okay? Uh, and, and I just consider myself a great student. If I see somebody out there that is doing incredible things from God, for God and has great faith, I say, I want to learn from that man. And today we're going to learn from uh, a minister out in the uh, capital of Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital. His name is Mark Batterson, and he's going to be sharing uh, in the video about this theme called the circle maker. And the reason why I'm excited about it is because I believe this can be a historic, not just a series, a historic moment in our church's life and in your life as an individual. If you're a guest here today, I want you to know I'm very excited uh, that you're here too because you get to hear something that could very well change your life, people around you's life. Uh, I was like you one time. I remember I came to church and I was like, okay, what is this place and who are these people and what are they up to? Uh, and, and just a few weeks later, everything changed. Uh, and, and who would have thought that I would be a communicator uh, of God's word? I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, but that's what God can do. So uh, I don't want to say too much. Let's watch the video. We dim the lights, switch it over to the DVD player, press play, and then I'll be back to close this out in a few minutes. Fifteen years ago, National Community Church was meeting in a D.C. public school in Capitol Hill. There was nothing easy about our first year. Total church income was $2,000 a month, and it cost $1,600 just to rent the school. On a good Sunday, we'd start with eight or 10 or 12 people. That's when I learned to close my eyes and worship, because it was too depressing to open them. To be honest, I didn't really feel like a pastor. The church didn't really feel like a church. I felt underqualified and overwhelmed, but that's when God has you right where He wants you. Why? Because it forces you to pray like it depends on God. It forces you to your knees. It forces you to live in raw dependence upon God. And raw dependence is the raw material out of which God performs His greatest miracles. Well, one day as I was dreaming about the church that God wanted to establish here on Capitol Hill, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do a prayer walk. I was reading through the book of Joshua, and one of the promises jumped off the page and into my spirit. It says, I will give you everywhere you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Well, as I read that promise given to Joshua, I felt like God wanted me to stake claim to the land he had called us to and pray a perimeter all the way around Capitol Hill. Part of me didn't want to do it because it was a hot and humid August morning, but I had this holy confidence that just as that promise had been transferred from Moses to Joshua, that God would transfer that promise to me if I had enough faith to circle it. And so I drew what would be my first prayer circle, and it still ranks as the longest prayer walk I've ever done. Starting at the front door of our row house on Capitol Hill, I walked east on F Street and turned south on 8th Street. Across East Capitol and Pennsylvania Avenue. I walked all the way to the Navy Yard and turned west on M Street. and then north on South Capitol Street. I paused to pray, 
on the west steps of the Capitol that faced the National Mall. And then I completed the 4.7 mile prayer circle by walking around Union Station and heading home. It's hard to describe what I felt when I finished praying that circle. My feet were sore, but my spirit soared. I felt that same kind of holy confidence the Israelites must have felt when they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground and finally stepped into the promised land for the first time. It took about three hours to complete that prayer circle, but God's been answering that prayer for the last 15 years. Since that August day that I drew that prayer circle around Capitol Hill, National Community Church has grown from a core group of 19 people into one church with seven locations around the metro DC area. And God's given us the privilege of influencing tens of thousands of people over those 15 years. But it all started with a prayer circle. I believe that every blessing, every breakthrough, every miracle, every dream has a genealogy. And if you trace it all the way back to its origin, you'll find a prayer circle. Those blessings and breakthroughs and miracles and dreams are the byproduct of prayers that were prayed by you or for you. During my prayer walk around the hill, I drew circles around things I didn't even know how to ask for. Without even knowing it, I walked right by a crack house that would become Ebenezer's Coffee House, which we now own and operate. I walked under the marquee of an old movie theater on Barracks Row that's now our seventh campus. And I prayed around an $8 million piece of property that we now own debt-free where we'll build a future campus. If I had not drawn those prayer circles, I don't think we would own those properties. You see, God has determined that certain expressions of His power will only be exercised in response to prayer. Simply put, we have not because we ask not. Or maybe I should say, we have not because we circle not. The greatest tragedy in life are the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. But if you have the courage to circle the promise, circle the dream, circle the miracle, you never know how or when or where God might answer that prayer. Every book has a backstory. There's a moment when an idea is conceived in the imagination of an author, and that idea is destined to become a book. So before I tell you the story of the circle maker, let me tell you the backstory. Up until my senior year of college, I'd only read a dozen books not assigned by a teacher. Most of them were sports biographies with lots of pictures and stats. I just wasn't a reader. Then during my senior year of college, I was on a road trip and I picked up an 800-page biography of Albert Einstein. I fell in love with reading. Well, since then, I've read thousands of books. In fact, I'm running out of bookshelves. But I have one shelf with a few dozen of my favorites. One of them is titled The Book of Legends. It's a collection of stories from the Jewish Talmud, and it contains the teachings of Jewish rabbis passed down from generation to generation. Because it contains more than a millennium worth of wisdom, reading the book of legends feels like an archaeological dig. Well, I dug down about 202 pages when I unearthed what may as well have been a, a buried treasure. It was the legend of Honey the Circle Maker, and it forever changed the way that I pray. It gave me a new vocabulary, a new methodology. Well, it was the first century B.C., and a devastating drought threatened to destroy the generation before Jesus. The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. Miracles were a distant memory, and it seemed like God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an old sage who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem, who dared to pray anyway. His name was Honi, 
And even if the people could not hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. Famous for his ability to pray for rain, the people pleaded with Honey to pray for a miracle. With a six-foot staff in his hand, Honey began to turn like a math compass, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He never looked up as the crowd looked on. When he was done turning, Honey stood inside the circle that he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees and raised his hands to heaven. With the authority of the prophet Elijah who called down fire from heaven, Honey called down rain. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The word sent a shudder down the spine of all who were within earshot that day. And then it happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. The people rejoiced over each raindrop, but Honey wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle. He lifted his voice over the sounds of celebration. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour that the people had to flee to the Temple Mount, but Honey still wasn't satisfied. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for the rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. Well, the downpour turned into a perfectly proportioned sun shower. Each raindrop, a tangible token of God's grace. Honey was almost excommunicated for his prayer because some members of the Sanhedrin believed that it was too bold. Listen, God is not offended by our bold prayers. He's offended by anything less. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And eventually, Honey was honored for the prayer that saved a generation. It was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. The circle that he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol. And the legend of Honey the Circle Maker stands forever as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. Remember the promise God had given to Moses and then transferred to Joshua? I will give you everywhere you set your foot. Well, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River and approached the ancient city of Jericho. It had to be both awe-inspiring and frightening. While wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they had never seen anything approximating the skyline of Jericho. The closer they got, the smaller they felt. I think they finally understood why the generation before them felt like grasshoppers and failed to enter the promised land. Well, a six foot wide lower wall and a 50 foot high upper wall encircled that ancient metropolis. The mud brick walls were so thick and so tall that the 12 acre city appeared to be an impregnable fortress. It seemed like God had promised something impossible and his battle plan seemed nonsensical. In Joshua 6, 3, it says, your entire army is to march around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, you're to march around the city seven times. Well, the soldiers must have wondered why. You know, why not use a battering ram? Why not scale the walls? Why not cut off the water supply or shoot flaming arrows over the walls? Instead, God told the Israelite army to silently circle the city. On the seventh day, they arose before dawn and they circled the city seven times. Then 600,000 Israelites raised a holy roar that registered on the Richter scale and the walls came tumbling down. After seven days of circling Jericho, God had delivered on a 400-year-old promise. He proved, once again, that His promises and our prayers don't have expiration dates. Jericho stands and falls as a testament to this simple truth. If you keep circling the promise, God will ultimately deliver on it. The Jericho miracle is a microcosm 
it not only reveals the way that God performed that particular miracle, but it also establishes a pattern for us to follow. It challenges us to confidently circle the promises that God has given to us. And it begs this question, what is your Jericho? What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream does your life revolve around? Drawing prayer circles starts with identifying your Jericho. You've got to define the promises that God wants you to stake claim to, the miracles that God wants you to believe for, and the dreams that God wants you to pursue. Then you need to keep circling until God gives you what He wants and He wills. Now that's the goal. Here's the problem. Most of us don't get what we want simply because we don't know what we want. We've never circled any of God's promises. We've never written down a list of life goals. We've never defined success for ourselves. So instead of drawing circles, we draw blanks. Well, it's more than a thousand years after the Jericho miracle that another miracle happened in the same exact place. Jesus was on his way out of Jericho when two blind men said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stops and he responds with a pointed question. What do you want me to do for you? Seriously? I mean, is that question even necessary? I mean, isn't it obvious what they want? They're blind. Yet Jesus forced them to define exactly what they wanted from him. Jesus made them verbalize their desire. He made them spell it out. But it wasn't because Jesus didn't know what they wanted. He wanted to make sure that they knew what they wanted. And that's where drawing prayer circles begins. It's knowing what to circle. Well, what if Jesus asked you this very same question? What do you want me to do for you? If you can't answer that question, then you're as blind spiritually as these blind men were physically. Don't go through this series without answering that question. Jericho is spelled lots of different ways. If you have cancer, it's spelled healing. If your child is far from God, it's spelled salvation. If your marriage is falling apart, it's spelled reconciliation. If you have a vision that's beyond your resources, it's spelled provision. Sometimes Jericho is spelled without letters. It's a zip code that you're called to or a dollar figure that will get you out of debt. Sometimes Jericho has the same spelling as someone's name. For me, Jericho has three different spellings, Parker, Summer, and Josiah. Well, whatever it is, you need to identify it. Then you need to circle it. You can't just read the Bible. You need to start circling the promises. Listen, start praying wisdom around your kids. Start praying power around your problems. Start praying with faith around your dreams. That's what Wayne and Diane did when they got pregnant with their first son. In fact, they didn't just start praying for their son. They started praying for their future daughter-in-law, Jessica, by name for 22 years. But I'll let them tell you their story. So when my parents were pregnant with me, uh, they prayed over me every night. And uh, they continued to pray for me, strong baby, baby name, um, all of those things. And... Uh, when they were doing some reading about uh, praying for your child, they came across this um, book that suggested them to pray for their spouse as well. And uh, so they continued to pray for their baby and the spouse. And in October of 1983, they um, got the name Jessica and continued to pray for Jessica and uh, their baby's spouse. And uh, later in December, they came across a boy name because they weren't sure what they were having a boy or a girl. And they... Uh, came about Timothy, and uh, in May of 1984, they had a little boy and named him Timothy, and continued to pray for me and um, my spouse one day, 
I really remember hearing it at our rehearsal dinner and Tim's parents um, at our rehearsal dinner were just sharing uh, about how they had prayed for me for my entire life and basically just you know said that they had this name Jessica that was given to them they felt by God in October of 1983 that was the month that I was born and um, Little did I know and little did they know that they had been praying for me every single day of my life by name. Um, and just incredible to know that my parents-in-law had been praying for me with that dedication and that fervency and prayer for, for so long. Now that uh, Jessica and I have um, a little one, um, it's definitely something that we've talked about. Um, Praying for our baby every night while Jessica was pregnant was definitely a high priority for us. Um, every single day we prayed over her and um, we continue to this day. She's now three months old and we still continue to pray over her every day. And um, no, we have not gotten a spouse name. <laughs> At least not what we think. You know, so you, you kind of, we have this story that, you know, about, you know, how Tim's parents prayed for us. And so it's easy for us to think like, oh, maybe one day that, you know, the, the little boy name that we thought that we were going to use if we were going to have a boy, maybe that would end up being um, her spouse. But I think one thing that we just have to realize is, you know, we're praying very specific things over her and we have no idea how the, those prayers are going to turn out. And when we look her in the eye, um, you know, in, in 22 years, 25 years, what kind of answer to those prayers that we'll see uh, specifically for her. Yeah. Well, a few years ago, I came up with a little formula. Change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. You know, sometimes you need to get out of the routine to get some revelation. You know, I'd recommend you take a prayer journal and go on a prayer retreat and begin to discern the answer to the question that Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? But the purpose of getting out of the routine is getting into the routine of prayer. And the key is finding a time and finding a place where you can draw a circle. For Daniel, it was praying through an open window toward Jerusalem. For Jesus, it was walking the beach before dawn. For Habakkuk, it was climbing a watchtower. Well, for me, it's the rooftop of Ebenezer's Coffee House. I climb the ladder, pop the hatch, and just pace back and forth. And one of the reasons that I love praying here is because I feel like I'm praying on a miracle. So here's how I wanna end this session. I wanna present you with a 21-day challenge. Now, there's nothing magical about 21 days or seven days or 40 days. But it's important that you have a timeline in mind and the challenge is simply this. Find a time and find a place to pray every day for 21 days. Now it could be your bedroom at home, it could be a lunchroom at work, it could be 6 a.m. or 10 p.m. But make a prayer appointment with God for 10 or 30 or 60 minutes. Then pick a promise or a person or a problem that you're going to circle in prayer every day for 21 days. You may even want to form a prayer circle with others and pray for whatever is in each other's circles. Now, it could be a promise in Scripture that you circle every day. Ask God for discernment and faith to claim that promise. You know, it could be your spouse or your kids or a coworker who doesn't know the Lord. It could be a problem that you can't seem to overcome. Keep circling it in prayer for 21 days. Now, does that mean that God will give you an answer in 21 days? Well, for some of you, the answer will be yes. But for others, the answer will be no. But that isn't the point. The goal isn't getting an answer. The goal is establishing a prayer habit. Well, let me leave you with a promise from Philippians 4. And this is a promise that I circle with my youngest son, Josiah, all the time. In all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Pretty good, huh? Now, what he challenged everybody to do, I want to pass that on to you as your minister. And uh, in a little bit, you're going to get a, a prayer card that we give out every year. Uh, and I would like for you to fill it out, and I'll explain more about this. But I, I really want to encourage you. And if you're a guest here today, you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe all of that. I, I don't know if I accept all of that. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not asking you to accept everything today. What I'm asking you to do, what I believe God is asking you to do today is take that step to begin praying every day about what God puts on your heart as your prayer circle, whatever it is. And one of the things that he mentioned that I believe some of us need to get is God is for you. Uh, some of us grew up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where we feel like God is against us. Uh, that God is angry with us because maybe a parent was angry with us, that his love for us is, is conditional. Uh, his love is unconditional. Now, his forgiveness is conditional. And it's conditional based on your actions, what you do from here forward. But he's for you. And he wants to bless you. He wants to use your life. He wants to bestow blessings on you and on your future. And, you know, this whole story about Honey, the circle maker, man, what an incredible story. But with this was an incredible faith because people were looking and saying, let's see if it happens. You know, and some of you in this audience are those naysayers. You know, you're like the, the critics. You're here and you're like, well, when's this going to be over? You know, and I'm not sure God can work, and I'm not even sure about this whole Bible thing. Do you believe that God can bless that type of attitude and that type of faith? Well, if somebody who has it next to you, he can. Because I was one of those naysayers. But it took someone of faith near my life to get me to see God is for me and he wants to work. So I want to encourage you to find a place, to find a time, and for 21 days, you will do that. That you're going to, you know, you can even draw a circle if you want. You know, make sure you check with your parents before you draw that painted circle, you know, in the middle of the hardwood floor or wherever you do it. But it could be an imaginary circle. But pick a place. Pick a time. And for 21 days, do it every day. And let's see what God does. I assure you of this one thing. Your relationship with God will go through the roof. And your faith will grow also. I want us to look at a verse that, uh, that talks about this. Because a lot of us got problems. And you may be, be here at church today because you got problems. You know, and you, you finally reach your point where like, hey, I'm going to go to church because nothing else seems to be working. I got a lot of problems. I need help. You may be fighting with your spouse, you may be fighting with your parents, you may be, you know, fighting with family members, you may be fighting with people at work. Let's look at the origin of fights and quarrels. Where do they come from? It says here in James 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. So you covet, and you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. As he put it in the video, instead of drawing circles around prayers, we don't pray things, we don't ask things, so we draw blanks. Many of our problems in our lives, many of the conflicts, many of the circumstances that we have going on or have been going on have simply happened because we don't include God. And never in, a, in our history as a nation have we been such a prayerless nation, such a prayerless people. And I think it's even gotten in our, to our church. See, because I know a lot of you, you may pray before you eat. And I, I don't want to just take a break here to talk to our members because, you know, if you're a guest here, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to our members because you're, you're Christians. You've gotten off your prayer habit. You pray before meals, and you may pray a little bit here and there, but you don't have a regular time in the morning or during the day where you are, you are on your knees and you're praying to God or you're in a place, you know, sitting down, and you just, it's just you and God. 
And then you wonder why things are coming undone in your Christian life. You wonder why you're having problems in your relationships. You wonder why you're having problems in your finances. Simply because of this, you don't have, and you're not, you're not receiving help from God. And so today I want to mark a time where we will change as a church. And that's why I said today is so important. We're beginning a series, not just a new series, a lesson series, you know, where you're entertained and you go, wow, that's really cool. No, I'm talking about a life change, and I'm talking about something that could change our history. You know, when you heard the story about praying for a spouse, that the parents prayed, that's crazy talk for some of us. They didn't even know what sex the child was, and God somehow gave them the name Jessica, and you go, that's crazy talk. But you can't argue with what happened. And for some of you, this is crazy talk to begin praying bold prayers. And I'm not saying you have to have it all figured out and you can, you can draw a line and say, well, this happened because of this and I understand it all and it's all, it's all clear. No, sometimes it's not clear. That's the way God works. But how much have you prayed for your children? Specifically. You know, how much have you prayed for your spouse? How much have you prayed for your job situation? Specifically, asking for this and this and this to work out for your finances, for whatever the situation is. And this is, this is real. And I believe as a nation, we've fallen, tomorrow we're celebrating Martin Luther King Day, right? Leaders that, that we respect, right? You know, what I, you know what I do not like about Hollywood and its portrayal of historical characters? They lie. Chris Boyer mentioned last week about a movie that they did recently, last couple of years, called Lincoln. I hated the movie. You know why I hated it? Because it was a lie. Do you know how much time they devoted in that movie of two hours to depicting a man who was on his knees so much, so often, crying out to God, saying, God, please help me to lead this nation back to coming together again. He played public, he prayed public prayers. He wrote them. He prayed before the Senate. He prayed before the Congress. He was a man of prayer. And Hollywood never portrays that, never depicts that, because we're a society that, that demeans prayer, that belittles prayer, and you've fallen into that trap. He said, prayer's a waste of time. And look at your life. And look at our leaders in our society. Are they men that we can esteem? And all men, let me just say this, all men have serious weaknesses. But when men pray, God moves. Let me, let me read you a couple things about Martin Luther King because, I, you know, they've made movies about him and they'll probably make more movies about him. And he, he, he changed history in this country. And I believe he affected history in the world. But listen to his words, what he says. Lewis Baldwin wrote this book called Never Leave Us Alone, The Prayer Life of Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. King made it clear that his civil rights and political activities were an extension of his ministry and prayer life. He would often take retreats by himself to pray and study the Bible. Prayer was King's secret weapon in the civil rights movement when he faced opposition and faced incredible odds. Dr. King taught us about the importance of a prayer, of prayer not only as a part of our personal devotional life, but also prayer must be a part of any movement or social action. I can tell you why Martin Luther King Jr. was a historical figure and why he made a difference. Because he prayed. He prayed a lot. He prayed specifically. God, change this nation. Change our leaders change people, but we as, 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 as people, as individuals, do we, enact, we, do, we, do we go about leading a campaign of our own for our family, for our children, for our communities? And prayer is the key. But some of you know this. Your lives have gotten weakened and your families have gotten weakened because you've left a regular prayer habit. 
And you're suffering the consequences of that. And some of us may be praying, but we're not praying specifically enough, and we're not praying with enough faith. And so I'm going to help you in the next few weeks. I'm going to help all of us. Because we need to grow our faith, and we need to grow our prayer life. And if you're here today visiting with us, let me just say, if you want anything to happen in your life, if you want to include God in your life, things that you can't even explain will start happening. Some of you are believers in prayer, but you're not living out a prayer life. So as we celebrate tomorrow Martin Luther King, I want to make sure you understand who was behind the man that did so much. And remember in school when they teach you about your leaders in this, in this nation that lived before us, our forefathers, they were men of prayer and they were men that looked to God for answers. And what scares me about our future is very few people look to God. And it's sad. We look to Twitter. We look to Facebook. We'll spend hours surfing on the net, but we won't spend 15 minutes in prayer to God asking him to help us with the needs in our lives. We have so much time to watch sitcoms and all kinds of things, but we have no time for prayer. And you wonder, you wonder why we struggle. And we call ourselves Christians. So this week, this week I want to encourage you to establish a regular prayer habit. You're going to have to sit and think about this. When can you do it? Each and every day. And be real. Be honest with yourself. And some of you, it's going to be awkward. You're going to say, well, I'm going to pray 15 minutes and five minutes will go by and you don't know what to say. Because you're out of practice. You're out of your prayer habit. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And look what else Martin Luther King said. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is more impossible than to be alive without breathing. You call yourself a Christian? And you lead a prayerless life? Are you alive? See, as Christians, prayer... Prayer needs to be something like breathing. We're always doing it. We're always praying. Pray continually without ceasing. And just just praying and saying, God, I need your help right now. I got this situation, but I would really like for you to help. Because there's things that I can't see. You know, and as he described in in, in 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 the video, what is your Jericho? And does God need to send a horrific Jericho to get your attention that you need him? You don't want that. But identify your Jericho now, whatever it is. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a habit that you can't break. Maybe it's, it's, it's an addiction that you cannot shake. Maybe it's the health of a family member. You know, this morning I, I, I got a text message that my father had to be taken to the hospital last night. It was a little scary. But it's so reassuring that I can drop to my knees and pray. And all indications are is that, uh, you know, it was a vertigo thing and wasn't a stroke. The fear was that it was a stroke. He's 86 years old. But I'm so grateful that I have God on my side that I can go to him and ask him all the time. Let's look at this, this, uh, this, this, this story again because it's so important. They're just outside of Jericho, the historical place, because this is so important. Look in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 30. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When's the last time you shouted to God? Out in a field, when no one's home, in your room, and you shout out to God. You shouted some other things, but have you shouted out to God? God, have mercy on me. Help me. I'm in a hard situation. That's what they did. And the crowd rebuked them. Notice the opposition. They told them to be quiet. In our vernacular, shut your mouth. But they shouted all the louder. louder. Don't let opposition stop you from praying. Don't let distraction stop you from praying. They said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped them and called them. I love that. See, Jesus is focused on people who are praying. He's not focusing on the naysayer or the crowds. He's looking, are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying? And then here's the answer. What do you want me to do for you? Whoa. 
Do you have it clearly spelled out? I got my card, and I got at least three things right here on my card. And I'm going to pray these next 21 days just like they did. And they said it, Lord, we want to see. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Really? You say, well, I'm not sure if I, if I believe all this. I want you to try it for 21 days. If you're a guest here today, if you're not a prayer person, I want you to try it. Just put God to the test. And at the very least, he may not answer your prayer, but at the very least, your relationship and your faith in him will change. And we read on, and it says here, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched them. Someone could help me with the advancing, Ronnie, if you could advance it. It's kind of stuck. Thanks. One more time. Perfect. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Immediately. And that's what I see about Jesus is he doesn't wait. He's on the move. He's going to meet our needs. He may not answer the thing that you want because I'm grateful. You know when things happen later on, you prayed about them and they didn't happen, and then later you go, I'm glad that never happened. Because I don't know how that would have either blessed my life or how that would have affected my life. You remember that girl that you prayed for, that she would be your girlfriend? I prayed that prayer in college, and I'm so I'm so glad. I am so glad God didn't answer that pr those prayers because there were many. I'm so glad that he didn't answer those prayers. You know why? Shortly thereafter, she left the Lord. And I said, hmm, what if I had gotten my prayer? Then what? And I'm so grateful that God took care of me because he knows what I needed and he gave me an incredible wife and Laura. I know what you need. I know what you want, but I also know what you need. And he will navigate that, that, that fine line for us. God love makes, loves making promises. He loves it. And he's made some to you. And I want to share this with you because for the last couple of years, uh, I've, I've been reading my Bible in one year, the version Bible plan. Uh, I've got a perfect one for ministers because you can do Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I've got to do preparations for, letter, for lessons. And so you get those two days off. They're not off for me, but they're more lesson preparation. So I go Monday through Friday. Here's one of the things that I do in, in my study here in my iPad. I've been doing it. I've read the whole Bible the last two years, and this is year three, uh, a brand new version that I'm, I'm, I'm reading. And it's been so good for my relationship with God. But I have color-coded scriptures. You can highlight them in four different colors. I've got yellow, blue, and pink, and green. Guess what green is? Promises. I can go through the whole Bible, and if I see green, guess what I see? Promise. Now, I've been doing this but I haven't been circling and calling on God with these promises. So this morning when I was reading about Isaac in, in Genesis 26 and God appeared to him and it says, I am the Lord of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase your, the number of your children because of my servant Abraham. I, I, I circled and I said this prayer like you did, God, like you did with Isaac. Do it with me. God loves making promises, and I want to encourage you not just to highlight the promises of God, circle them and proclaim them. It's so important as we go through this series. Draw circles around your prayers and around God's promises. And uh, you're going to get a card, and I want to encourage you to, to, to put it, and there's even a, a little extra space on the bottom. I still have my card from uh, 2011 here on the inside of my Bible. My big prayers. This year it's uh, circle maker prayers. But it's the same. What are you going to ask for this year? And I have one thing for you to put on your list. And I'm asking you to pray for and for our church. Okay? Will you do that for me? 
Okay? So if you're a guest here, I'd encourage you to. Please, will you pray for our church? And it is this, that 2014, we will have a spiritual revival in our church like we've never seen in our lifetime. That's a bold one. Because I've seen, I've seen some big ones in my lifetime. For this to be a bigger one, I, get ready. And then, then you put yours and you share it with your group. You know, you may have a child on here. You, you may have a, a, a financial situation on here. You may have a health condition on here. You may have whatever it is, put it on here and let's see God work and share it with other people. And one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is not give up. All right, we're going to go 21 days. What if you miss a day? It's like some of you, I heard a story of, you know, when, when you, know, you have a struggle, you're on a diet, and, and we've all done them. You guys haven't, and you're young, but when you get older, you do diets, you do crazy things. And then, you know, you, you, you break the diet, and you go, oh, I'm off the diet. I fell off the wagon, and I'm all done. And you go to, you know, in and out every day for a week. Please don't do this with your prayer life. If you miss a day, get back on track. Because establishing a habit is about breaking old habits. And get back in there and keep on praying. Don't quit. Don't give up. So I'll leave you with this and we're going to wrap it up. Identify your Jericho. Identify your Jerichos. You got one. I know you do. If you're a guest here, I know you got a Jericho. That may be the reason why you're here today at church, because you got a Jericho. And it seems like this, 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 this city that's this fortress that you can't get in, you can't get around, you can't change it, you can't defeat it. Write it down and circle it. Some of you may, God may put something on your heart to walk through your neighborhood, to go on a prayer walk and walk around your neighborhood. You know, and, and, and I, I want to do these things in the next 21 days is to walk around this neighborhood and see what God will do for us here in this area. Some of you, uh, you've mentioned, well, I want to see a church in Whittier, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a, a satellite or a, a, a campus church. And we could do that. You know, we could totally do that. Multi-site campus in Whittier. Why can't we do that? But will you pray? Will you walk around Whittier? Will you walk around Whittier and say, God, give me this land, give me this circle. I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk around a circle and I'm going to pray it. Will you do that? Or wherever you'd like to see it. You know, I, I heard from, from one brother uh, this week. This is how God is. He does crazy stuff. His father was a, was, a, was a pastor in downtown Pomona and he led a church. And the church is dying and they have a building and they only got like six members. And so the church wants to give it to the son of the pastor. And he's a member of our church in Metro L.A. He's about to be given a building. We don't know all the details, but I'm just going, God, if you want to do something, wouldn't that be great if we got a building? Just here you go. Now, we'd have to renovate it, and then the Latin ministry could meet there because that's, that's it. downtown Pomona is like little Mexico. Okay except Monday through Friday during working hours. I mean, what could God do? What could he do? But we make him so small. We ask those little things, God, help me, help me to get to work on time. Help me to get a good grade in my class. And that stuff's going to work out. Mike talked about that last week. But I really, really want to encourage us to be a, a people about prayer and not follow suit of our nation where we become less and less prayerful. Let's be more and more here in our church. And some of you know of people in our church that are not doing well. And then you come and you want to inform me and say, oh, I know so-and-so. And I always get the information. They always tell me, well, there's this problem and this problem. Will you help me? Will you pray about those situations? And not just, you know, well, God, help him. I want to pray with faith. Okay, yes, I know. I've been doing this a long time. There will always, always, always be situations in our church. There'll be highs and there'll be, there'll be valleys. The question is, will we pray out of the valleys? Draw, draw or walk around your prayer circle. For some of you high school students, I want to encourage you to walk around your campus. You want something to happen on your high school campus? Walk around it. Say, God, I want you to do it 
I want you to do something amazing. Javier Maya used to do that around Claremont High School. You know, and, and it didn't happen necessarily when, when he wanted, but it happened later. A lot of students were, were getting baptized there. You know, maybe it's your college campus. If you're one of the college students, walk around your campus. And then begin your prayer time, 21 days, your prayer habit. Figure out a time and figure out a place that's going to work between now and 21 days. And mark it in a calendar. That one that you have on the refrigerator or on the wall, mark it down. Tomorrow, the 20th of January, begins my 21-day prayer habit. Okay? And be accountable with somebody. Okay? Help each other. And then share your prayer circle with your group. On the back of your newsletter, you're going to get some discussion questions. You can go over these with your small group. Okay? I really want this to be more than one day, one situation, one sitting. Okay? This is very different. I mean, some of you are going like, well, why are you watching the video about this? Hey, don't worry about it. Just change your life. And let's watch God do something amazing among us. So, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you. And we don't normally do this, okay? But if you're able to, I'm going to ask you to get on your knees. But if you've got a bad knee or if you've got a health problem, you stay seated. But if you can, and if you're a guest, maybe this is a little awkward. You don't have to, but for all of our members, let's get on our knees and pray and close out this series. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you for this time that we can cry out to you. And at this time, we're, we're praying on our knees in recognition of Jesus. We remember, remember his body and his blood that were shed for us as we take the communion. God, I, I ask you to please forgive us for not being a people of prayer. Forgive us for being busy with other things, for fighting and quarreling and letting our, our desires take over. Father, I pray that you'll forgive us for not being a prayerful church, but all that changes today. We ask you, God, today to forgive us and give us a brand new start. Thank you for the promise that Jesus gave us. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. We ask you, to God, to be with us today. Father, we lift up Jesus' body and his blood right now as we take the communion and we are reminded, God, of our weaknesses, of our sins. We ask you to wash them and cleanse them and help us, God, to, to really live out our lives as true Christians, that we pray, we'll, we'll pray like we breathe. Thank you that Jesus prayed for us and is there to intercede for our prayers. Thank you that we can... Take this time out to remember that Jesus was so, so ready and willing and wanting to bless our lives that he's willing to die for us. We thank you. We pray these things and pray that you'll bless this communion. In Jesus' name, amen.